the headquarters of Money and Credit Matters, it's the Rondi Lambert Show, the only holistic radio show where you learn the offense, the defense, and the playing field of personal finance. I'm Rondi Lambert, your host and financial coach, and I am so excited you are here with me today, and I know you're going to learn a ton about personal finances and your credit. Now, the phone lines are open at 1-800-475-SCORE. That's 1-800-475-7267. You can also chat with me live at rondylambeth.com. Again, that's rondylambeth.com. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rondy Lambeth. Today, I'm talking about how many credit cards you should have. Now, if you listen to Dave Ramsey or any of those other anti-credit people out there that want to live in the 1950s, they're going to tell you that you shouldn't have any, that you should cut them up. You should run from temptation, run from the devil, cut them up, live off of cash, pay cash for everything, or don't pay for it at all. And that works perfectly for his audience, an audience of lazy, uneducated people that are non-motivated, undisciplined, and lazy. Those are pretty harsh words, aren't they? But it's true. Sometimes you need to hear the truth because it is the truth that will set you free. So how many credit cards do you or should you have? Well, all of us, all of us adults need to have at least three credit cards. Why three? Because that's what FICO says. That's what FICO says. You need to have three. Now, who's FICO? Well, FICO is a Fair Isaac Corporation, a Fair Isaac company created and uh, founded and created in 1956 by Bill Fair and Earl Isaac. One was a mathematician, one was an engineer. They created this very complicated algorithm that we know is the FICO credit scoring model. Now, the majority of the banks throughout the entire world trust FICO for their accurate credit scoring model. Now, I said accurate because there's lots of credit scoring models out there. There's Vantage, there's TransRisk, and many more. I call those systems FACO because they want to be FICO, but they're not good enough, so we call them FACO because it is a fake credit score. Now, if you've ever been online at freecreditreport.com, creditchecktotal.com, Credit Karma, truecredit.com, credit.com, all, all of those. There's so many of them. I could go on for hours listing all of these websites that sell FACO credit scores. Now, they're real credit reports, but they're FACO scores. They're not FICO scores. The only one that actually sells a FICO credit score is myfico.com. The problem with myfico.com is it's running off a of FICO Model 8, which the banks and the credit bureaus are still using FICO Model 2. FICO Model 2 was developed in 1996, where Model 8 was developed in 2008. I, I, I got to stop talking about FICO because today I'm talking about how many credit cards you should have. But how I come up with that number three, how many credit cards you really, really need to have is because FICO says you need to have it. And they've created their model around your credit cards. In fact, it's the most important item, in my opinion, that you can have on your credit file. You need three of them. What happens if you only have two? Well, approximately you lose 50 points. What happens if you only have one? Well, you approximately lose 100 points because what I've seen 
is you gain about 50 points per card that you have that's active and open. Active and open, what does that mean? That means it's open and you're using it on a regular basis, like as in every month. If you don't use it every month, FICO will ignore it, thinking it was a closed account and the banks forgot to notify the credit bureaus that it was closed. And I see those all the time. I will do a credit audit for someone and they'll say, I closed that account like five years ago and it still says open and it's still reporting good, still reporting paid. Well, guess what? That's good. Because you just got five years of credit card history for free, even though it was closed. But if you had no activity, FICO actually keeps track of that. And unfortunately, they remove that file from the, the monitor or the um, FICO scoring system. So it doesn't actually help you. doesn't hurt you, but it doesn't help you. So how many do you need? You need three credit cards at all time that are open and active. Now, that's how many you need. How many should you have? I believe you should have as many credit cards as humanly possible. If they offer you a new credit card, take it. Get as many as you can possibly have because the more you have, the more you can do. Now, if you have a problem with discipline, you have a problem with spending, then don't, don't get more than three. Stay, stick with three. If you're like some of my family members, some of my friends, that if they get a credit card, they max that baby out until they get another one. Then they max that one out too. If you're that way, stay away from credit cards. Get three. Use them to pay your cell phone bill, your electric bill, your insurance bill, your internet bill, whatever it is, is a recurring bill. Use that credit card for that. Set it up for automatic bill pay. So it pays itself off automatically every month. Then take those credit cards, put them in a Tupperware dish, fill the Tupperware dish full of water and put it in the bottom of the freezer. Why? Because that way you can't get to them. You can't take them out and throw them in the microwave and turn on the microwave because it'll fry the credit card. I don't want you to cut it up in case you need to use it for something. See, I would rather see you debt-free and no savings account than have credit card debt with the savings account because the credit card you're paying 21% interest and on the savings account, you're losing money. Yeah, you're losing money if you have a savings account. How? Because they're paying you basically 0.001%. Inflation's 3% and you've got to pay taxes on the interest you earn. So basically, you're losing money by having a savings account. So you're better off taking all that money, applying it to your debt, and then using your credit card as your rainy day fund or your emergency fund if you ever need it. Car breaks down, you don't need to go into the savings account. Use your credit card. Now, I'm saying if you do not, if you're not already debt-free, if you, if you haven't already paid off your credit cards, if you have credit card debt, then you, you should not in any way be, be putting money in a savings account. You have to pay off the credit cards first, then start saving. Come up with your rainy day, your one month, two month, and three month emergency plan. You're listening to Your Credit Matters. I'm your host, Rondi Lambeth. If you want help with your credit, go to my website, badcreditisachoice.com. That's badcreditisachoice.com or simply call. Talk to one of us today. It's free. The call is free, 1-800-475-SCORE.
That's 1-800-475-SCORE, as in your credit score, or 1-800-475-7267. Credit tip 102, why the insurance companies care about your credit. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of a man named Dave Ramsey, but he talks a lot about why credit scores are not important and credit reports are not important. And this is true if you make millions of dollars and you can afford to just throw money away. According to CNN Money or Money Magazine, they say the average person with bad credit will spend an additional $4,200 a year or will lose an additional $4,200 a year due to paying extra for things. Things like car insurance, life insurance, homeowners, renters insurance, even health insurance. Now, why would the insurance companies care about your credit score? Well, it's really pretty simple. Stress is the number one cause, according to some research, the number one cause for illness and injury. Now, what causes stress? Money problems, right? Money problems. What's the number one cause of divorce? And it's not marriage. That's not the number one cause of divorce, right? It's money problems. And so when you have money problems, you generally have credit problems. And when you have credit problems, you are going to pay extra for everything. And when I say everything, I mean car insurance, life insurance, health insurance. So you really want to make sure your credit is good. Now, why would the insurance companies charge you more for car insurance? Well, the average person with less than perfect credit will have more claims than someone who has great credit. And it's because they're under a lot more stress, they're more distracted, and they will just have more accidents. So they're going to charge you more. And they will check your credit and see what your score is and base your premium on that. Get your credit fixed. Go to my website, badcreditisachoice.com. That's badcreditisachoice.com or simply call 1-800-475-7267. How many credit cards should you have? The answer to that question is very simple. You should have as many as you can possibly get. Now, how many credit cards do you need to have? The answer to that is three. Three open revolving lines of credit. What is a revolving line of credit? A revolving line of credit is a, an account that revolves, that every month you can use it, you pay it, and the, the payment changes and the balance changes. Let me explain what a revolving account is not. It is not an installment loan. It's not in a mortgage. It's not a student loan. So revolving, if you think about it this way, if you go get a car loan, and let's say you, you get a car loan for $20,000. Well, they're going to give you twenty grand. They give it to the dealership or whoever you bought the car from, and then your payment's going to be $350 a month for the next 72 months, evenly spaced. That is an installment loan. Every single payment is the exact same amount. They give it to you once, and you pay it back over time. A revolving account is an account that you can use on a regular basis until you go to your limit. So, for example, with a credit card, your limit is $10,000. 
you can use that card every single day, multiple times a day, until you reach that limit of $10,000. Then at that point forward, they'll block your transactions after that. And now your payment is going to be $350 a month. However, because of the way it's set up, the $350 a month doesn't cover the principal. And so the following month, your payment will be, let's say, $355. The next month, it'll be $360. Then it'll be $365. Then it'll be $370. Then it'll be $375. So on and so forth. Now, eventually, it'll correct itself. And then it'll be set up to pay it off over 20 years. Most credit cards are amortized over 20 years. Whereas cars generally don't. I haven't seen one yet over seven years. That's about as far as a car will go out right now. For now, who knows? They might change and they might be like boats or airplanes to go out 10 to 20 years. But for now, they're only seven years as far as I've seen them go. And the reason for that is because cars depreciate and after seven years, they're not worth nearly what you still owe, right? So that's the difference between a revolving and installment is it changes. Now there's different types of revolvings. There's your standard Visa, your standard MasterCard, your Discover. And sometimes American Express, and I'll go over that a little bit later, why they're not the standard revolving account. Then you also have your department store cards, J.C. Penney's, Sears, Macy's, Victoria's Secrets, Kohl's, um, any of those stores. And you you get a credit limit. You can use them. Every time you make a payment, you get a higher. Uh, have, <clears throat> it goes a little bit towards principal. Most of it goes towards interest. And so the payment changes all the time. It's revolving. The one revolving account that people don't realize the amount of damage it does to your credit score because 40% of your credit score is based on revolving credit and revolving credit usage. And one of the most damaging things you can do is get a home equity line of credit because a home equity line of credit is a revolving account. So let's say that you got a $100,000 line of credit and you paid off your car and your car was $20,000. You now are 20% utilized on that line of credit. That then will have a negative impact on your credit score. Whereas if you had just left it on the installment loan, the amount you owe really has no bearing on your credit score because it's an installment loan. Now, why is this? Because FICO set it up this way. That's why. They figured out a long time ago that the way people pay their credit cards will determine how they'll pay their bills in the future. And see, FICO, the FICO score, all they're trying to do is predict the future over the next 24 months on whether or not you're going to have a major derogatory item hit your credit over the 24-month period. The higher your credit score is, the lower likelihood that you're going to have a derogatory item. The lower the credit score is, the higher the likelihood that you're going to miss a payment and have a derogatory item added to your credit file. Does that make sense? So when you have an installment loan and you've been making payment after payment after payment and you still owe 70% of that original balance, FICO ignores it essentially. But if you have a credit card and you owe 70% of your credit limit, that has a major negative impact on your credit score. So when you get that line of credit to pay off an installment loan, it actually can hurt you. Now, with that being said, Sometimes 
you're better off taking the negative hit on your credit if you're going to save money. So if you if you have a credit card and it's 20% interest and you have $100,000 of equity in your home, you get a home equity line of credit at 5% interest, which allows you to pay off that credit card and you save money, then it's okay. Or let's say you had a car payment or a car loan and it was 10% interest and the line of credit's five, then you know what? I think it's okay. If you're going to save money, go for it. Who cares if you drop 10 points or 20 points? You're saving money, right? So sometimes it's worth taking a hit on your credit in order to save money. It's not always about your credit score and the best thing to do on your credit score. Sometimes it has to do with whether or not it's going to help you get out of debt. And if you have that available line of credit with your home and you have that ability, I think you should pay off all your bills with it. But do this. If you do that, do not start making the new payment. You need to continue making the old payment, if not more. So if your old payments with all your bills were $1,200 a month and you refinanced your house and now the new payment's $400, don't take that extra $800 and spend it. Continue to pay the $1,200. And what that will do is it's going to pay off that line of credit much, much faster, get you out of debt that much faster because you're paying less interest. Some people call it the snowball effect. Pay your lowest bill first, pay it until it's paid off, add that payment to the next one, get out of debt fast, get out of debt quickly. And that's extremely important. Get out of debt, not, not just what your credit score is. So to recap, how many credit cards should you have? As many as you can possibly get. That's how many credit cards you should have, as many as possible. How many credit cards do you need? You need to have at least three open credit cards. Visa, Master, American Express, or Discover. At all times. At least three at all times. If you don't have three credit cards right now, go to my website and get some. Even if you have bad credit, they're going to give them to you because some of these credit cards don't even check your credit. My website's badcreditisachoice.com. That's badcreditisachoice.com. If you need us to fix your credit, give us a call, 1-800-475-SCORE. That's 1-800-475-7267. Credit tip number two, how long do inquiries stay on a credit report? Well, there's two different types of inquiries that you need to know about. There are soft inquiries. That's when you apply for credit on your own, like if you go to freecreditreport.com and you inquire on your own credit report. The banks don't care about those, and the banks actually don't even see those. Then there are hard inquiries. That's when you apply for a loan with a creditor. The banks do see those, and the banks do care about those, and so does FICO. FICO is the company that comes up with the credit score known as the FICO credit score that 90% of the world's banks use and trust on a regular basis. Now, how long do these stay on your credit? They will stay on your credit as long as 24 months, unless you hire a company like me to have them removed. But if you don't care about them and it's not hurting you, then they can stay on your credit for as much as two years or 24 months. Now, how long will they impact you? That's what people care about, right? They will impact your credit score up to 12 months. So even though they stay on your credit for up to two years, they only have a negative impact on your credit score for 12 months or one year. Now, 90% of all inquiries are completely ignored, so most of the time they don't matter at all. But if you really need to get them removed from your credit, we do it for people for free all the time. Our website, badcreditisachoice.com. That's badcreditisachoice.com. Dot com. 
So how long do inquiries stay? Up to 24 months. If you liked this credit tip and you would like to receive a weekly credit tip, go to the website and sign up or sign up for a free consultation. Badcreditisachoice.com. That's badcreditisachoice.com or simply call 1-800-475-7267. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ronnie Lambeth, certified FICO credit professional author, speaker, and your local credit expert, bringing to you each and every day what I think the banks and the credit bureaus don't want you to know about your credit. And today, the topic of what they don't want you to know is how many credit cards you should have. How many credit cards should you have? I'm asking you a question. How many credit cards should you have? See, if you ask me that, I would say as many as absolutely possible as many as you can get your hands on, as long as you're disciplined enough to pay them off every single month and you're disciplined enough not to max them out, not to go into debt. That's not the name of this show. See, the show is not called Max Out Your Credit Cards and Go in Debt. No, it's called Your Credit Matters. See, I want you to be debt-free, but I want you to do it the smart way. I don't want you to cut up all your credit cards and shut off your internet, turn off your TV, cut up all your, get rid of all your good clothes, sell your car. No, I want you to have a good life and in the meantime, become debt free and you can do it. Is it going to take a little bit longer? Yeah, it is. You know, probably add a year to your, your plan. But isn't that worth it? to actually have a good life as you go along, even if it takes a few months longer than to live in the dark with the candles because you shut off your electricity to save an extra 80 bucks a month. Now I know I'm being extreme, but I'm trying to make a point here. How many credit cards should you have? As many as you can possibly get. The nice thing about having lots of credit cards is when you need one, you have access to it. And when you come across an investment that could make you money, you have access to that money until you actually have it in your bank account. Use other people's money to make money. That's how the banks do it. So to answer that question, how many should you have? As many as you possibly have. How many do you need to have? You need to have at least three. Why? Because FICO says you need to have at least three. Who's FICO? They're the Fair Isaac Corporation that created the FICO credit model that the banks use and determine on whether or not they're going to give you any money. So you have as many as you possibly can have. The other thing nice with credit cards, if you have, let's say you have 10 credit cards and three of them have large balances, the other seven are going to get jealous. They're kind of like having the old, the girlfriends, the extra girlfriends or the extra boyfriends in high school, back before you're really dating anybody. But if you started talking to someone, the girl that liked you would get jealous and then they'd spend more time, that kind of thing. See, the credit card looks at it as, hey, you're spending your interest and you're spending money with Capital One. We want your money. So then Bank of America sends you the little courtesy check and says, hey, if you transfer your Capital One balances over to us, we'll give it to you for 0% for the next 18 months. Now, you're at Capital One, you're paying 21% interest at least. Most of their cards are 29%. So you transfer it over to Bank of America. Now you're at zero. 
Time goes by. Citibank sees that. They send you a letter. Hey, we see that you're with Bank of America. We want your money. We want your business. So they give you a courtesy check, and you can literally go from one credit card to the next, to the next, to the next, and pay 0% interest on that, getting out of debt that much faster. Now, the problem with this strategy is people that are not disciplined. People that will pay off one credit card, open up another, and then get in that much more trouble. You can't do that. You have to pay these balances off in full or use them for only the 0%. And don't use the other cards. Keep them at zero. If you got yourself in trouble with credit in the past, now you have a negative payment history and you want to fix it, I can help you with that as well. My website is badcreditisachoice.com. Go to it. The information there is free. The radio shows are free. The books are free. The free how to fix it is free. The newsletter's free. Go to the website, badcreditisachoice.com, or simply call 1-800-475-SCORE. That's 1-800-475-SCORE. Spelled out as 1-800-475-7267. Credit tip number 20, how HELOCs affect your credit score. What is a HELOC? It's a home equity line of credit. Now, roughly 40% of your credit score is made up based on revolving credit. Now, you might think that revolving credit is strictly credit cards, department store cards, gas cards, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover. However, a HELOC, home equity line of credit, also qualifies as a revolving line of credit. So when you go out, you refinance your house, you want to pay down your car, pay it off, and you want to put it in the mortgage, and you do a HELOC, home equity line of credit, and you take $50,000 equity out and you pay off that $50,000 car, that is a revolving line. And 40% of your credit score is based on that revolving line and other revolving lines. You are now 100% utilized on that line. And until that line gets paid down below 7%, it will have a negative impact on your credit score. Does it make financial sense sometimes to refinance, get a home equity line of credit to pay off high interest credit cards and high interest car loans and a low interest, sometimes tax deductible HELOC? Yes. Does it make sense credit wise? No. But if it makes sense financially and you save money, then I say do it. But just know that when you have maxed out HELOCs, they're just like a credit card. They're a revolving line of credit. They will have a negative impact on your credit score. For more tips like this, please go to the website, badcreditisachoice.com. Again, to receive more tips like this on a daily basis, go to badcreditisachoice.com. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ronnie Lambert. You know, today I want to talk about something that a lot of people need to be very disciplined with and learn how to set boundaries and learn how to say no. And what I want to talk about today is when should you co-sign for someone on a loan? Now I want to go over what co-signing actually is because a lot of people when they call me after they've co-signed for someone and that someone, whether it's a loved one or a friend, stops making the payment, 
that's when they call me because now their credit is being affected negatively by someone else's actions. It's bad enough when you have bad credit because of your own actions, but to have bad credit because of something else someone else is not doing or something else someone is doing makes it even kind of adding insult to injury, right? So let's go over that. When should you co-sign for someone else? Well, recently, my daughter uh, let my son drive her car in a parking lot, and he hit a hit a curb, slid sideways in the ice and snow. They live in Colorado Springs. Slid sideways, hit a curb, totaled her car. Now, it wasn't an expensive car. It was like a $2,200, $2,400 car. And fortunately for my, my daughter, she had full coverage on the car because it really wasn't very much more. I've always taught my kids that full coverage really doesn't cost much more than liability. So for an extra 100 bucks every six months, she got full coverage, wrecked the car, got a check from the insurance company for $2,200, $2,300, and she went out to buy a new car. And she wanted a brand new car. She was doing well at work, and it was time for her to actually have a new car. And she went to car dealership, went to get the loan. And of course, what does the bank want? They want a co-signer. So she called me, knowing my opinion on co-signing, knowing my position. And she asked me, Dad, would you co-sign for me? And I had to do the hard thing to do. I had to tell her no. I had to tell my daughter no. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a loved one ask you if you'd co-sign for them, but it's really hard. You know, they really want it, and they, they mean good. But I've seen so many people that their credit has been destroyed by other people. And I wasn't willing to, to risk my credit. I've worked so hard making it, is, making it the way it is today. There's not a single negative blemish on my credit report right now. It's perfect. And, and it took me a time And my business is, I have to have good credit. Cause when I do my seminars, I pull my, I pull my credit report. What it would look like if I pull my credit report and there's a 30 day late for a car loan. Now, granted, I, I would get it removed, but still it might take me 90 days to get it removed. And in those 90 days, how many seminars I'm going to do where I got to show that and then explain, well, I know on the radio, I say don't co-sign, but I did it anyway. So when should you co-sign for someone? I believe the only time you should ever co-sign for anyone is if you're willing to make the payment. That's, that's it. If you are willing to make 100% of the payment and never get anything out of it, similar to loaning money to family and friends. Very, very similar. In fact, I only loan money to people that I am basically giving it to them. I don't ever expect to ever receive it back. Because the moment that you expect to receive it back is when there'll be bitterness. Now, I loan money to, to friends and people I know, but I don't loan money to family members because I don't ever expect them to pay it back because they never have in the past, right? So the only time I think you should ever co-sign for someone is if you're willing to make 100% of the payment without having any of the product. So if you have a family member, it comes to you and says, I really want to get a new car. The only way that you're going to get it is if you co-sign for me. And if you're willing to, you know, make that payment and they keep the car and you're going to be responsible, then go ahead and do it. 
Maybe it's one of your kids and they're just starting out in life and they really need that help. So the way I would do it is if I was going to co-sign for someone, like if I was going to co-sign for my daughter and I was willing to make that payment, then the way I would do it is I would make the payment every month and the daughter would pay me. Now, with my daughter, you don't know her, but I know her very well. And she does not keep, she doesn't take care of her stuff at all. I bought her a car when she graduated high school and she had it for about a year and she totally trashed it. So that's part of the reason I was unwilling to co-sign for her to get a new car because I know she's just going to trash it. And I'm not bad mouth my daughter. That's just her personality. She cares more about having fun than cleaning her car, you know. Hopefully now that she's paying for all of it and making that payment, it'll be different. But I doubt it because, you know, sometimes, sometimes people don't change. That's just the way we are. So again, when should you co-sign? When should you co-sign for someone? When you're willing to make the payment yourself. Now, what is co-signing? I guess I should have gone over that earlier in the show. What is actually co-signing? See, when you go in and you're the co-signer, you're equally responsible for that debt. Even though the car's license in someone else's name, the insurance is someone else's responsibility, you are equally responsible for that loan if that person defaults. Now, what I've seen a lot happen is you co-sign, that person goes, gets in financial trouble, and then files bankruptcy. They're no longer responsible for that debt. Guess who's 100% responsible for the debt? You. You are 100% responsible for that debt because they file bankruptcy, so they no longer have to pay it. They no longer have the car because the bank repoed it. And now you're getting stuck with not only the original loan balance, but now the repo fees, the attorney fees, and the judgment. And then they sue you. And now they garnish you. Now they take money out of your paycheck. All because you wanted to help someone out because they were your friend. So I personally think that you should never co-sign for anyone. Um, unless, again, unless you are willing to make that payment. And I think the only way to do it is you make the payment, they pay you. That way you know that payment's always being made. And again, you got to be willing to pay the payment by yourself with no, with nothing, because otherwise it's just going to ruin another friendship or it's going to add hatred to your family or whatever it is. Now, if you've suffered from co-signing from somebody, you want to get your credit fixed, go to my website, sign up for credit repair. I got some great news on co-signing for people in California and how to get it removed. And that's next. So if you want to get your credit fixed today, go to the website, badcreditisachoice.com, badcreditisachoice.com. Credit tip number 59, bad credit does not automatically disappear after seven years. No, there are some things that could be on your credit for 10, 20, even 30 years. Now, I've seen hundreds of credit reports with collections that are 20 years old. Now, collections should fall after, fall off your credit after seven years, but they don't always fall off after seven years. And the reason why is because not all collection companies follow the law. The law states that the item must fall off your credit report seven years after date of first delinquency. However, sometimes they don't do that. And what they'll do is they will sell that credit report or that credit file rather to 
another collection company. And then that collection company will attempt to collect that debt an additional seven years. So just because seven years has gone by does not mean your credit's going to be fixed. Now, it should, but it doesn't always work out that way. One thing you can do is you can go in and dispute those accounts that are over seven years old, and many of them will come off. Now, what kind of items will stay on for more than seven years? Well, a Chapter 7 bankruptcy or any type of public record, such as a judgment or a tax lien, a bankruptcy, that'll stay on there for up to 10 years. Now, tax liens technically can stay on your credit for as much as 20 years, 10 years plus 10 years if the IRS renews the tax lien. And they can go and renew it again after 20 years. And so it'll be there for 30. My recommendation is you work something out with the IRS and you get that removed. That's about the only way you're going to get that off unless you file bankruptcy. Now, a lot of people don't know this, that you can file bankruptcy on past tax bills. So if your tax bill is more than three years old, you can do a Chapter 7 or maybe even a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, depending on how much money you make at the time and how much you have in assets which would then eliminate 100% of your tax liability. And there are people out there that do this. They strategically plan a bankruptcy. They purposely don't pay the IRS. They wait three years, then they file bankruptcy, and it wipes out millions of dollars of taxes. Not saying it's right, not saying it's legal. They're just people that do it. So credit tip number 59, bad credit does not automatically fix itself. If you want to get your credit fixed, go to the website badcreditisachoice.com and sign up. That's badcreditisachoice.com or simply call the 1-800 number. 1-800-475-SCORE. 1-800-475-7267. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ronnie Lambeth, bringing to you what I think they don't want you to know. Today on the show, I'm talking about when should you co-sign for a friend or family member? Again, when should you co-sign for a friend or family member? My opinion, and this is only my opinion, that is never. You should never co-sign. I know it's hard to say no to family and friends, but there's a reason the banks want a co-signer. That's right. There is a reason the banks want a cosigner. The reason that the bank wants a cosigner is they have a feeling, a very strong feeling, that the original purchaser, your friend or family member, is not going to make the payment. And they want someone else to be legally responsible for that payment. Otherwise, if the bank the bank truly thought that there wasn't going to be any issue with the payments, they would never ask for a cosigner. So remember that. When your friend or family member says, Dad, I need you to co-sign for me. Remember, it's because the banks don't trust that person because of something going on in their credit or finances that you just don't know about. Maybe it's a couple of those little items out there, like the $80 cell phone that went to collections or the $300 dish network because they forgot to mail the box back in time. You know, dish gives you three weeks, and generally they ship you the box before you even move. So all you got to do on the day of moving, you put it in the box. It's already pre-labeled. You put it outside or drop it off at a FedEx or UPS. 
is just irresponsibility or they just forget, which is irresponsibility. So the bank is seeing something that you don't. That's why they're asking for a cosigner. Now, if you have cosigned for someone and that someone didn't make the payment and you got stuck with the bill, I have some good news for you. For my my friends, my listeners and clients that live in California, California actually has a law that says if you are a cosigner before before the furnisher, that's the creditor, furnishes negative information to the credit reporting agency, such as Equifax, TransUnion, or Experian, before they furnish that negative information to the three bureaus, they must inform you 30 days prior that the signer on the loan that you co-signed with is behind on payments, giving you the opportunity to make the payment. Now, not all states have this. California is the only state that I'm aware of that has this law. So what that does is it allows you to dispute that based on the fact that they violated that law by not providing you proof or not providing you notice that the signer had not made the payment. And the banks never do. And the reason they don't do it is because none of the other states have it, and they don't really care because they know that if they report you late because the original person did not make the payment, you're most likely going to make that payment because you don't want your credit ruined. The bad thing is that late payment is going to be on your credit report for the next seven years unless you do one of two things, unless you fix it yourself or hire someone like me. Now, if you're a busy professional and you don't have time to do this on your own, I'll be happy to do it for you. Good news is you only pay if I'm successful with removing the late payment. If I remove all of the late payments from that one account, it's $100, as little as $100. Now, isn't that worth it to you to have your good name back? $100, and it's gone. After it's gone, rather. Because credit repair companies are not allowed to charge up front. It's all got to be after the service has been rendered. And that's why we charge after we fix someone's credit. So if you've ever been a victim and you co-signed for someone and they didn't they didn't hold up their end of the bargain, then I got good news. You can get it fixed. How do you get it fixed? You go to badcreditisachoice.com. That's badcreditisachoice.com. Or simply call one 800 Four seven five score one eight hundred four seven five seven two six seven. Again, today on the show, I'm talking about how, how, and why you should never co-sign for anyone. Why you should never co-sign for anyone, and it's because you you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know if they're going to make that payment. Yeah, you know, maybe everything's going great. They just got a new job. They just got married. They need a co-signer to get that, you know, they, they're going to have a family. Neither one of them can afford the car on their own. Neither one of them can afford the house payment on their own. So they need a co-signer. So you're trying to do the right thing, the, the nice thing. You co-sign for them. <clears throat> a year goes down the road, two years, three years. They end up getting divorced. Husband cheats on the wife. She finds out. They get divorced. The husband was your friend. Now the wife's mad. She's not making the payment. I mean, there's so many different scenarios, but many, many cases it ends up bad. And that is why the bank 
wants a cosigner because they have a feeling that it's going to end up bad and they want you the responsible party they want you the responsible party on the hook for the payment and they're going to get it because you're the one that's been responsible you're the one that's been paying your bills on time you're the one that has a savings account and they're going to come after you when that payment is not made so again i don't think you should ever co-sign for anyone ever i i just don't think it's a good idea now you could it, it, again if it's somebody in your family like your child your 16 year old and you can't afford to pay cash for a car yeah co-sign for them get the car get their credit going but ultimately you're responsible for that that child anyway right because they're living in your home my daughter's 24 years old, doesn't live with me, lives 1,200 miles away from me. I have no idea what she's doing with her money. No idea if she's paying her bills on time. No idea if she has a down payment. I, I don't know what she's doing. Banks know because they looked at her credit report. I never did. But if they're living with you in your house, they're your children that are underage, yeah, go ahead and co-sign and get their credit built up. So I guess you should never say never. But in most cases, you should never co-sign for anyone, right? Again, you're listening to Your Credit Matters. I'm your host, Rondi Lambeth, certified FICO credit professional. If you or loved one needs to get their credit fixed, I have a team of paralegals and FICO credit pros that can help you get results in as little as 90 days. 50% of our clients have their credit fixed in as less than 90 days. Get your credit fixed today. Badcreditisachoice.com. That's bad credit is a choice.com or simply call our 1-800 number at 800-475-SCORE. That's 800-475-SCORE. 1-800-475-7267. Credit tip number 61, and that is how to get a tax lien removed from your credit report. That's right. I said how to get a tax lien removed from your credit report. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but tax liens can stay on your credit report as long as 20 years and can be renewed by the IRS and stay on for another 20 years. And if you go down and you finally pay off that tax lien, it'll report for an additional 10 years after you pay it. So you're pretty much, it's a lose-lose when you have tax liens on your credit. If you pay them or you leave them, you're going to lose because it's against, you know, the person that put it on there is the largest collection company in the world the IRS. So the good news is there's actually a way to get the tax lien removed from your credit report. And that is the credit tip number 61, how to get this tax lien removed. The IRS actually has a program that if you can prove that you've paid it in full, if you've worked out a payment arrangement, or if you can prove that by having it removed from your credit report would allow you to pay it, such as in you have equity in your home and you want to do a home equity line of credit, use the line of credit to pay off the tax lien, the IRS will actually remove the tax lien from the credit report or will instruct the credit bureaus to remove it. Now, I've removed thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of items from credit reports. And I can tell you, on average, we delete 50 to 80% of the items that we work on. Bankruptcy, short sales, foreclosures, those kind of things. On tax liens, and this is the only time I can ever say this, on tax liens, we are 100%, 100% 
of the people who hired me to remove a tax lien, the tax lien was removed from their credit report 100% of the time, as long as they had those three things. They paid it off, they were making payments, or they were trying to refinance their house. And there's an actual special form. And you check one of the boxes, you fill in the basic information, check one of the boxes, sign it, send it to the IRS, and they'll just they'll send you back a letter that says, Dear Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, please remove this, and you mail that into the credit bureaus, and voila, 15 to 30 days later, the tax lien is gone, and it's gone forever. So if you have a tax lien on your credit report and you want to get it removed, go to the website and sign up, badcreditisachoice.com. That's badcreditisachoice.com. If you don't want to do the computer thing, just give us a call and we'll help you out over the phone. 1-800-475-SCORE, 1-800-475-SCORE. That's Ronnie Lambeth bringing to you what I think they don't want you to know. One of the things that the banks and credit bureaus really don't want you to know is how to build a thick credit file. Now, think about it this way. You see the police shows, CSI, NYPD, all, all those shows that they talk about how thick the criminal's record is, right? It's a mile long. And essentially, your credit file is the same way. The bigger the credit file is, the stronger it is, and the higher your credit score is going to be if it is a positive credit file. The nice thing that with having a thick credit file is if you every once in a while miss a payment here or there accidentally because, you know, maybe the check got lost in the mail or you went on vacation or something happened and you missed a payment. If you have a 20-year-old file that's very thick and has lots of accounts, that 30-day late is not going to hurt you like it is if you only have a two-year-old account, all right? So the way that you build a thick credit file, what I mean by thick is there's hundreds of accounts in that file. And positive accounts will generally stay on your credit for about 20 years. So if you are one of these people that listen to guy guy like Dave Ramsey that says, cut up your credit cards and pay everything off – and live off of cash, you're not going to have a credit file. And he actually brags about that. The problem is for the working man like you and I, uh, you know, I don't make $15 million a year. I can't afford to pay extra on car insurance. You know, I'm just like everybody else. I, I go from month to month or paycheck to paycheck, right? So unless you're making millions and millions of dollars, like some of these guys are, they can afford to pay cash for a house. They can afford to pay extra on everything. So when he says, cut up your stuff, he, he's talking really what he can do and what his ultra 1% friends are able to do. While the rest of us, we're not really able to do that. So the way you build the file is you never close any of the accounts. You pay them until maturity and you're always building that file. Remember, your good accounts only stay for about 20 years. So if you don't do anything for 20 years and then you go out and get a car loan, it's like you're starting over. So if you're 18 years old, you go 20 years, you turn eight, 38, you don't do anything. Now you're 38 years old, you go to get a credit card, this first credit card you've had in 20 years, you're a brand spanking new file. 
And that's why you see the 800s and the 840s and 850s on, on older folks because they have 20 years solid with 20 years of positive payment history. And that's why they have such high credit scores because they've gone so long. So the way you do it is this. If you have a car loan and you want to pay it off so you don't have to, you're not going to be in debt anymore, not going to pay interest, it's very simple. You pay that loan down to as low as you possibly can get, and then you pay a dollar a month, $2 a month, whatever you decide your number is, until that loan matures. So if you have 36 months left in the car, you pay it down to $36, and then you pay a dollar a month for the remaining 36 months. Now, you can't do this if you have it on automatic payment where the bank takes the payment out every month. You can have it on automatic payment, but not initiated by the creditor. You have to initiate it through bill pay. So you pay a dollar a month for the next 36 months. And now you're essentially debt free. Yeah, you're not 100% debt free, but it's only 36 bucks, right? So you might as well do it. Now, I recently I sold a motorcycle and I owed like $20, $30 on it. And the only advantage was that when you do this, you have to pay full coverage insurance, but who wouldn't, right? If you got a brand new car, brand new motorcycle or whatever it is, you want insurance on that anyway. The disadvantage is I had to make a payment and then I had to wait a week for them to send me the title to give to the person. But I was able to show him with my statements that I only owed a few dollars. For more credit tips like this or more radio shows, uh, we have over 900 of them pre-recorded on my, on my website. Go to badcreditisachoice.com. That's badcreditisachoice.com. If you want your credit fixed, give us a call at 1-800-475-SCORE. That's 1-800-475-SCORE, as in your credit score. Spelled out as 1-800-475-7267.